What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstorypregnancy 
and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at birthstorypodcast. Thank you for listening to the Birth Story Podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time, I want to encourage you to start at the beginning. I want you to go on a journey with me and allow me to be your virtual doula and teach you all the things along the way. So I'm just going to give you a couple highlights of some of the earlier podcast episodes if you are just now tuning in. So very first episode, episode one, you can learn all about me, who I am, why I became a doula, why it is. I do what I do, and also my very own birth story with my second child, Jagger. Then I've interviewed some really cool CEOs. So episode three, Tori Jones is the CEO of Eshell Triangle, and she was also featured on Rachel Hollis's The Rise podcast. Episode seven was Rachel Coley, the CEO of Can Do Kiddo. She was just on Good Morning America. She's an incredible occupational therapist that teaches you how to play with your baby, and her birth stories are incredible. Episode 10 was one of my best friends, Amy, who had a VBAC in the car. We have done episodes on micro preemies, episode 18. 21 on international adoption out of Uganda, 24 and 25. Oh, those episodes like get a box of tissues. They're on surrogacy and cancer. We've addressed hypnobirthing, fertility, really easy, joyful, uh, medicated births, really hard, long labors, medicated, unmedicated, everything in between. So I hope you'll start at the beginning. Let the Birth Story Podcast take you on a journey all the way through and enjoy this episode. And then remember to rewind all the way back to episode one. Thanks for tuning in. Gracie Davis. Wow. This is one of those episodes where I'm like, starstruck because she has so many Instagram followers. And for good reason, this is an incredible woman. A little bit controversial to some, not to me, but she is talking about unassisted free birth, how she came to that decision. There's a lot to learn from Gracie Davis, even if home birth or free birth is not for you. So if you are very interested in this topic, then I wanted to let you know that episode 36 is also from Sarah Leahy on an unassisted home birth. Now, everybody that listens to this podcast knows I am a hospital-based birth doula, but I am very committed to the fact that we learn from each other, no matter what our birth labor and deliveries look like, that we have the authority and the autonomy to make choices for ourselves and our body and our baby, and that we can learn from each other. So Gracie Davis is going to walk us through going into labor, how her labor unfolded, the delivery. There's so much to learn from her about finding your power 
and surrendering to the most natural process and beautiful process of giving birth. And my hope for you today is that the light in me sees the light in you, sees the light in Gracie, and that we can all come together without judgment and learn from each other. Hi, Gracie Davis. This is Heidi with the Birth Story Podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Heidi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to interview you today because I actually, you came to me via one of my best friends, Amy Barber. And maybe a month ago, she was like, are you following Gracie on Instagram? And I was like, no. And she started telling me like all the things about you. And I was just just so enamored before I even got onto your Instagram account. And then I sort of went crazy and devoured the whole thing. And so why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, Gracie, and where you live and and then also how people could find you on Instagram if they want to follow along. Awesome. Yeah, I was actually wondering how you found me. Okay, so my name's Gracie. I'm 31 years old. I'm an identical triplet. Um, I'm from Canada, from a small town about an hour north of Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, I live in San Diego now. I own a gym here. I co-own a powerlifting gym. I've been in the States, in San Diego for almost 10 years. And um, I'm married to a recon Marine. We have a little boy, Griffin. He's uh, almost 14 months. And I'm pregnant with our second son, 15 weeks pregnant. And um, people can find me on YouTube at Gracie Davis or Instagram. If you search Gracie V, should pop up. My handle is Gracie Banas. Yeah, and then I have a few Facebook pages as well, but uh, I'm not as active on Facebook these days. And I will link to all of them in the show notes. So in case somebody was like driving and they just don't have a chance to just quickly write it down. But Gracie, you have a lot of followers. When we're recording this, around 57,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, that's a lot. And so I'm going to say that at the front of this episode because you have a lot to say and a lot to share and people like to listen to what you have to say. It's funny. I used to have a lot more followers. And then when I started talking about birth and radical stuff like that, radical mothering, I lost a lot of followers. Probably like close to 15,000. Well, <laughs> but that's okay. Well, you gained you know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. Well, and yeah, I would say that's how I came to you too. So my best friend, Amy, I call her my crunchy mama. So she's kind of in tune. She stays in tune with all things kind of natural And she just takes a keen interest in things that are radical. She's pretty radical. So I'm really glad that she linked me to your Instagram and that we're able to have this interview. And so let's just dive right in. If I were to ask you, what are your like top five platforms for pregnancy and birth and being a mom that, you know, may go against the grain. What do you feel like for, I was going to say, just what do you feel like those are? Uh, The top five things um, that I'm about that are against the grain, I guess at the top of the list would be unassisted birth. Number two, unassisted pregnancy. Number three, EC. Elimination communication, number four, toes sleeping, and number five, nursing other people's kids. 
Yeah. All right. I love it. Can we talk about all five of those things? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see. I was like, let's dig in. And the, okay, so let's go. Let's kind of go in order then of like unassisted pregnancy, unassisted birth, and then yeah. ma- then all the other three kind of lumped together with elimination, okay, communication, cool. and co-sleeping, and then um, like co-nursing. So I don't know. Is there a better term for community nursing, village nursing? No, I've never really. <laughs> we, need a, just, we need a hashtag. Um, I know, right? <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. All right. Well, you're pregnant right now. Griffin is um, 15, 14 months old. And so mm-hmm. let's talk about unassisted pregnancy. Can you define that for us? And like, what does that mean for you and your family? It just means um, not having a you know, a care provider or a medical provider that I see regularly. Um, It can sort of look differently for different people. But um, uh, for myself, I did see a midwife when I was uh, just becoming pregnant. I was having a lot of implantation bleeding and wondering if I was getting more pregnant or less pregnant. And I really wanted to get a blood test and see if my HCG levels were rising or not. And um, so I saw a midwife to get to draw my blood and then it looked like I was very pregnant so I didn't end up going back for the second one it was convincing enough for me so so yeah and then I am thinking about maybe doing a little bit of testing I'm not sure I was pretty dead set against it a couple weeks ago and now I'm thinking oh maybe I do want that so I don't know but um for right now I haven't seen anybody like um, no one's listened to the baby's heartbeat. Um, I haven't gotten any ultrasounds and trying um, to see anybody unless something comes up and I feel like I need assistance uh, from the medical system, then I'll seek it. But yeah, pretty much it. Well, I like it. And I think that what we're going to get to in this interview is that you're educated you are in control of your body and you're making decisions for you and your body and your baby that come from you. And so Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more about that. Like where in the world, like, you know, if, if most people just pianistic, get pregnant, you know, a lot of my clients have to go through fertility journeys to get pregnant, but say you just pop up pregnant, you know, our culture conditions us that the first thing you do is go for this confirmation appointment at the, the doctor's office. And so like, tell me who introduced you to this concept of unassisted pregnancy or unassisted home birth? Like, because it's not ingrained in our culture that we just wake up and know about that. Yeah. So actually, um, my husband was getting ready to be moved. Uh, we didn't know where it could have been San Diego, North Carolina, or Japan. And I was pregnant, um, with Griffin and planning a home birth with home birth midwives here in San Diego. And I, but, uh, he was going to be restationed before I was due. So I was looking into my options in these different places and learned, as you know, that home birth is illegal. Like it's illegal for midwives to attend home births in North Carolina. So then it was brought to me like the unassisted birth option. And I had kind of been hearing about it a little bit just through Instagram. That's like the first introduction I had had to it, even though I come from a home birthing family. My mom had a home birth. Um, most of my aunts had home births. And I lived with a home birth midwife growing up. She kind of adopted me in my teen years. So, I mean, I was always going to birth at home, but I didn't even know people did it without midwives. I didn't even know really that existed. So, Wait, hold on. I have to interject right there. Did your mom deliver identical triplets at home? 
No. Okay. She, that one was not home birth. I was like, whoa. I, I mean, was like, my mind is being been. blown right now. <laughs> uh, I think that she would have had a much less traumatic experience had she been supported at home. She didn't have any ultrasounds with us um, because she was planning a home birth. And then at week 30, she did have an ultrasound because her midwife thought she might be having twins and her midwife wouldn't attend her at home if she was having twins. And then she found out she was having triplets. And she went on to carry us to almost 40 weeks and birthed us naturally, vaginally, without any drugs in a hospital. And um, But then there was a pretty traumatic experience that followed. She was given Pitocin against her consent after you know, for the placenta. Yeah. And um, she had a reaction from that, giving her seizures, and we were separated from her. My aunt took us out of the hospital straight away and nursed us for the next two weeks while my mom almost died. And um, so, yeah, it's pretty rare um, to, you know, to hear about triplets going that long, gestation, and for vaginal birth. So my mom's a fucking badass. She is sure. a badass. Yeah. She is a badass. Yeah. Okay, well, some of this aligns too, right? Like you sounds like you are definitely raised in this really supportive like home birth like community your mom had a traumatic experience which would definitely play into the stories that we hear you know as children and too and getting ready for our, our learning from our moms and our aunts and our grandmas on how to birth our babies so that all makes mm-hmm. tons of sense to me okay but if you're on instagram you said instagram help me what hashtags should i be following if i was interested in unassisted like hashtag unassisted pregnancy Yeah, unassisted pregnancy, unassisted birth, free birth, wild pregnancy. I'll put all those in the show notes too, so we know what to follow, so we can get super, super curious. Whenever I said that I uh, hadn't gotten any ultrasounds, but I said that I was having a boy, just for some people who might be confused how I know that, um, I did an at-home blood test. With, it's called sneak peek and you can just prick your finger and send in a couple drops of your blood and it'll oh. as the baby's sex as soon as uh, eight weeks. Pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So you knew you were having a boy around what gestation? My last pregnancy in nine weeks and this time eight weeks I did it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have my heart because I also have two boys. <laughs> that are very close in age also. So yours yeah. will be about 20 months apart. Um, and then mine are 15. So I will give you like a virtual hug right now, Gracie. <laughs> um, but there are a couple things we're going to talk about that I, I truly believe as a mom and as a doula and a friend and a mother that kind of help having two kids. And one of them is co-sleeping. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I am a fellow co-sleeper and, and a, a fellow uh, village nurser. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those that we share in common when we get to that too. But I think that they really help um, when you have children that are close together for survival, (laughs) survival mode. So unassisted pregnancy, I'm going to go out on a limb and say pretty, pretty stress-free. Like it sounds really stress-free to me. Um, And I'm wondering if it's more stressful or if it's pretty stress-free. Well, you go through a stage, well, I went through a stage like working around my fears in my first pregnancy, you know, it was a huge deal like to decide to free birth. And, um, and so, yeah, you got to work it out. You got to really unpack a lot of the fears, see what they're actually about, see what all of these what ifs actually are and what the, you know, the evidence-based information looks like out there on them. And, um, but yeah, like I carried to 42 and one, 42 weeks in a day with Griffin. And those last few weeks were super stress-free. And even if I was under the um, care of home birth midwives, um, they probably would have dropped me or 
tried to all these like natural induction methods, which I wasn't interested in, or other stuff. And so it was like non-stress tests and ultrasounds that I didn't want to do. It was really stress-free. I just, you know, relaxed. It was the most relaxing time out of my pregnancy was the last four weeks, you know, from like 38 to 42 weeks. And that was really nice. And I was really grateful that I didn't have anybody to answer to or my phone wasn't ringing and I didn't have anybody to avoid during that time. And now, I mean, I'm only 15 weeks in this time, but still super stress-free. And because I did all the work my last pregnancy, working around the fears, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not faced with that stuff now. Yeah. Maybe it'll come up later because, like, you know, every birth is so different. But I feel pretty relaxed about everything yeah. right now. Well, I think no matter what type of birth you're planning or anyone's planning, there are so many fears that we have to work through. And number two and number three and number four and number five, those are all, they're unique in their own experiences, but they also kind of quell some of the anxiety after you've been there, done that. Um, mm-hmm. That the first is so, we just have that burden that we do have to work through. I was recently on the Doing It at Home podcast with Sarah and Matthew um, Bivens. I interviewed them and they interviewed me. And one of the things that they talked about was making that decision to do a home birth, but e- even with a midwife and all of that. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I had to make a decision to go get induced at the hospital. You know, there's yeah. where whatever avenue we're choosing, there's so much fear. You know, am I doing the right thing? Is the baby going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? You know, what is, I love that you said evidence, like what is that evidence, right? Like go seeking evidence and reading and listening. And then I think all of those things are a recipe to help calm, you know, calm some of our fears down. Um, Because the reality is, is that most of the time, you know, mom and baby are just fine (laughs) all the way through. Otherwise there wouldn't be 7 billion of us on on the planet. Apparently it's pretty easy to have a baby if there are are 7 billion of us and growing. Yeah, whether you know how to or not. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So your pregnancy and this pregnancy have been relatively stress-free and you're working through those fears and then just coming to this place of Piece. And I've just got a question for you about powerlifting. So what's the name of your gym in San Diego? California Elite Training Center, CETC. Okay. Another link in the show notes that I will um, put in. So how many, like, tell me about this, because I'm so curious about this, all of those platforms. But this other thing is really a big part of who you are is powerlifting. And the... Um, you know, the face that you have out into the world of inspiring women and moms and to just continue to work out through their pregnancy. And so tell me how yeah. that went for you. Well, I mean, I haven't really known anything different. I've been powerlifting for um, over 10 years. Competitively, I sort of retired a few years ago. I didn't meet actually the day I conceived this baby. <laughs> I competed in a meeting with, uh, just for fun my husband and I did it together. I hadn't competed in a few years, but um, it was held at my gym and I thought it'd be fun to do. Anyways, yeah, it's all I've ever really known. Basically, in my adult life was lifting. So it's nothing, uh, I don't really know any difference. So whenever I got pregnant last time, of course, I continued lifting. And 
And then because I was pretty, well, I dropped my home birth midwives at 20 weeks pregnant during my last pregnancy. But even before when I was under their care, they were super supportive of my lifting. So it was never, there were never red flags. I never had to defend myself or ask permission or anything. I knew, I knew intuitively, you know, that what I was doing was fine. And when it wasn't fine, I wouldn't do those certain movements like running or deadlifting. I would get to a point in my pregnancy where something became uncomfortable and I wouldn't do it anymore. It was very easy to just listen to my body and yeah I've been and and it was great I felt really strong throughout my last pregnancy I continued to lift super heavy up until um up until I went into labor and this time around two um just working around morning sickness so like lifting a little bit later in the day after I've eaten several times and feeling better I really enjoyed and uh I'm really grateful for lifting. So that's a really good point I want to bring up. So as a power lifter and your body is incredible and it's so inspiring to see that you're on your second pregnancy and that you're just stayed so healthy and so strong, you know, throughout Griffin's pregnancy and then well into this one already. But like you just said, like after eating several times, like so many moms are struggling right now with morning sickness. And like, Mm -hmm. Gracie, you're so inspiring to me because I just gave up. I mean, I just felt so terrible. I just like laid on the couch and then, and I was an international soccer player and I literally... I think I ran like twice in my first pregnancy. I just gave up. I felt so terrible. So in inspiring other women that are listening right now in their pregnancies, how do we not give up? So tell me about some of the things that you um, are eating to just kind of push through your nausea, but that so also you get enough fuel for powerlifting and for the baby. Well, I had a lot of, I, I threw up almost every single morning in my pregnancy with Griffin and same here. Like I feel better now once I'm into the second trimester, like during the day, but I'm still throwing up every morning, like <laughs> clockwork. As soon as the toothbrush goes in my mouth, <laughs> I'm like dry heaving and thank God, like it's so early, like I haven't eaten or drank anything at that point. So it's not like a traumatic vomit session. It's yes. like dry heaving and some, you know, stomach acid. And then I feel better afterwards. But, um, my last pregnancy, I just, I, not to sound super vain, but I guess it is like, I just didn't want to get fat. I didn't want to gain a ton of weight during my pregnancy. And that really motivated me to, on the days I felt super shitty and like, I couldn't do much while I would walk on the Stairmaster and like listen to a birth podcast for 30 minutes. And it was like really easy cardio, but uh, I was just continuing to move. And I knew that I was either going to feel sick on the couch at home or feel sick on the Stairmaster, but I would feel so much better about myself physically and mentally, you know, once I just at least did 30 minutes on the Stairmaster. So I did that most of my pregnancy and I did lift, but not as religiously my last pregnancy. I lifted when I felt good and I did a little bit of like supplemental exercises, like smaller bodybuilding accessories as a bonus, sometimes maybe once or twice a week, but mostly I was just trying to do cardio to feel fit and to keep my weight under control. And then this pregnancy, I'm lifting a lot more regular. And because I have childcare and it's really forcing me to, you know, utilize the time away from Griffin because I really want those breaks from Griffin. So, and it's at the gym, the childcare. So it's with a, a woman that works at the front desk. She wears them while I work out. So I just, I really take advantage of that time and I force myself to lift and I feel great for doing it. Um, I'm doing a lot less cardio now, but what I'm eating, 
I guess on a regular day, it's um, eggs and toast or eggs and a bagel for breakfast. This morning, I had avocado toast on an English muffin with uh, eggs and hot sauce. And then I'll eat a few hours later, maybe ground turkey, potatoes, and veggies. And then I'll maybe have a bagel and peanut butter a couple hours after that. And then I'll eat um, some kind of like meat and rice or meat and potatoes for dinner or maybe like sushi or whatever. If um, if I'm not cooking that night, I'll get takeout, maybe Thai or something like that. So that's what it looks like for me. I um, like it though. A lot yeah, of... I've never really been super regimented about my nutrition. Mm-hmm. But a lot of protein and a lot of carbs, you know, yeah. and I think that those two things are so critical. I mean, I know yeah. like the fruits and vegetables are really important for like the nutrition, but like when moms are like, how do I get through the nausea? I'm like, you just got to up the protein. I'm like, up yeah. the protein and get enough sustaining carbs. And, and somehow it's like, it's counterintuitive, right? Like you're so nauseous, you don't want to eat, but if you can get yourself to eat, you do feel so much it's better. It's actually the only thing that makes me feel better is eating. <laughs> as long as I don't let myself get to the point of hunger, well, mostly speaking for in the first trimester, whenever it's just really bad all the time, all day long, I just have to be eating constantly. And if I let myself get to the point of hunger, it's too far gone. I feel too nauseous at that point to eat. But if I can just stay fed, I'll feel a lot better. So, so much better. So I hope that that's a key take home for anyone who's listening today. All right. Well, let's get into the unassisted home birth. So whatever ended up happening with your husband getting moved, like where'd you guys end up? San Diego. He got orders for a different base in San Diego. So it was perfect. Okay. That worked out really well. I mean, I would have loved to have had you in North Carolina, but (laughs) (laughs) But you guys got to stay in San Diego. And then you went all the way to 42 weeks in one day. And I love that you said that that was like the most like stress-free part because those listening to the podcast who are loyal fans know that I went to 43 weeks gestation, which is also super controversial, (laughs) you know, but I mean, I just was like, I am not getting induced. It's so common in the unassisted world, 43 weeks. So 42 weeks to me is not even a big deal because I know so many of my friends just in the last several months went to 43 weeks. But yeah, but for me, that was a very stressful time. So to hear, because there was just so much pressure. So you went to 42 weeks one day, kind of stress-free. Why don't you tell me about one of the number one questions I get is how do I know I'm in labor? So what did that look like for you? How did you know you were going into labor? Well, for me, I was lying in bed around 6.30 at night, which was almost our bedtime at that late in my pregnancy. (laughs) And I just felt like a period cramp. And it lasted almost a minute. And then five minutes later, I felt the same thing. And it lasted a minute. And I had about three of them. And I looked at my husband and I said, I think that's a contraction. (laughs) It seems very, uh, like, rhythmic. Like, it's coming every so many minutes. and, And then I just chilled in bed for a half an hour. And they lasted a minute long. And they were five minutes apart. Pretty much my entire labor other than like transition and a couple rest periods right before he was born. But yeah, so um, that's how I knew it was not painful in the beginning. It was just kind of like a cramp. But then about an hour into it, they started getting more uncomfortable and how I knew. 
Okay. So this brings me, so you are unassisted and you're at home, but I mean, you've got your husband and he's there as a support person. And then I don't know this, but like, I'm assuming that you, did you have like a vision? Like, did you want, did you rent a bathtub or did you have a yeah, tub? Yeah. Like kind of what was your vision for how, what type of labor you were wanting to experience? Well, I just always, I did, I bought a birth tub and I made one of our the rooms in our house, like a little birth den. And I hung fairy lights all over the walls and I painted the room my favorite color. And, um, and I set up a birth pool in there. I put some pool mats underneath the birth tub so that I could kneel on it comfortably and um, or kneel in there. But I always pictured myself giving birth in front of our fireplace. So I, um, I brought a mattress down, like a king-size mattress down, and I put it in front of the fireplace. And I just, I, um, yeah, it was just like an extra bed that we had. So I set it up in front of the fireplace so that um, I could labor there. And that's the vision I had for my birth. And I loved like visualizing it and visualizing the third stage and how I would birth my placenta. And so, but he ended up being born in the water, not in front of the fireplace. I did labor in front of the fire for a few minutes, (laughs) (laughs) but mostly in our backyard, we had a hot tub. Uh, We still own this house. It's in Temecula, about an hour away from San Diego. And yeah, I labored in our hot tub in the backyard um, all night long, which was so nice. And I had my husband set up all our Christmas lights instead of in the front of the house, <laughs> like you knew, usually would. I had him because it was around Christmas time. Griffin was born uh, November 26th. Okay. I had him set up all the Christmas lights in the backyard. So it was so like bright and colorful in the backyard. And then we had a hot tub. So I just, it was a salt water hot tub. I just, uh, yeah, I just it set the, the temperature and I pretty much stayed in there most of the night. Oh my gosh. It sounds wonderful. Okay. So did your husband sleep or did he come be, was he with you the whole, like awake and with you the whole time? Did you want to be yeah. alone? Um, so when I went downstairs about 30 minutes after started, I asked him to make a fire and he kept the fire going all night until after Griffin was born 15 hours later. Oh. My labor was about 14, 15 hours. He slept most of the time on that bed in front of the fireplace. Um, started at 630 at night and he was born at uh, nine in the morning, nine thirty in the morning. Wow. So, okay. That's, um, that's relatively fast, especially yeah, for 42 weeks. I was expecting weeks. it to be like three days. So it was super fast for me and amazing. Yeah. I felt very lucky. Yeah. A lot of that probably is attributed to the water and a deep place of relaxation. You know, like you were welcoming it. You wanted it. There was nowhere to transfer to. You didn't have to think about, oh, when am I going to go to the hospital? And when am I going to transfer here? And when am I going to call my doula? And when am I going to call my midwife? Like, you know, all that mindset um, is something I try to get my moms into, even when they're birthing at the hospital, right? Is like, how do we Mm -hmm. let go of the world, get into the labor zone, rock it out, and just don't think about all these things that have to go, you know, go on. Yeah. Whenever you can just stay in that animal part of your brain mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll have to talk or think or, yeah, think of like logical things. It's, yeah. That's where yeah. I was. So I didn't talk to my husband a lot. I only asked him maybe for a couple things like to fill the birth tub. And I asked him to come out in the hot tub with me a couple times, but he would just like go out and fall asleep there. He was pretty useless. <laughs> so um, I, yeah, so I called uh I FaceTimed with my mom and with my sister, Bonnie, during my labor. And I would just like go off in the corner of the hot tub for contraction and then come back and talk like normal, you know, the rest of the time in between. And 
my mom was like secretly timing my contractions, which like really annoyed me. <laughs> and, uh, then I'm like, and I was like shitting my brains out the entire labor. So I was like getting out from the hot tub, like running into the bathroom. And it was really excruciating to go through a contraction on the toilet. So I was, um, and I also had to pee after every single contraction. So I ended up, uh, I was naked the entire time. I ended up just like getting a, a big like kitchen bowl and like putting it under myself. Like if I was on hands and knees on the bed in front of the fireplace, just so I could like pee yeah. into the bowl. Into the bowl. <laughs> and oh I have to like God. get up and walk to the bathroom after every contraction. And then in the hot tub, it was great because I just peed in peed. the hot tub. This is my hot Oh tub. my God, Gracie, <laughs> you are my soul sister right now. I love yeah. you. There was a part in my labor, this is like TMI, but there was like not, not a part. There were parts of my labor. I was just standing over the bed and he was like coming and he was so low. And it was like that the head is irritating your bladder. And I just remember saying, put a towel down, like put a towel down. I'm just, I'm not moving. I'm not going in the toilet. Yeah. I'm not moving. I just peed everywhere the whole time. I didn't care. Being in the tub, yeah. peeing, standing up. I was like, you're, it is, it's so animalistic. I love that you were alone for a lot of it too, but you knew that you had your husband there to support you when you needed it. The reason that yeah. I brought that up is because so many moms put so much pressure on their partners, male or female, and yeah. like to just be their savior. And it's so important, like even as a doula, that I'm like, I, I'm not going to save you. You know, there's no saving. There's like little things we do here or there. But for the most part, it's um, surrendering, you know, you just... exactly you know, welcoming and then getting excited. And then as it starts to build and build, then just, you know, surrendering. Now we're going to take a short break to just share a few things with you. Thanks for listening to the Birth Story podcast. I am so excited to announce the launch of my book, Birth Story, a 42-week guide for your pregnancy, a collection of these birth stories, a ton of doula advice, and journaling prompts. You can order a copy today at birthstory.com. It also will mean the world to me if you'll spread the word about this podcast. So on Stitcher or on iTunes, just leave a review. Thanks. So tell me about the part of your labor where you had to surrender, because there is the part where we're chatting with our mom and we're on FaceTime and stuff. But then there's the part where it's like, you, you know, you couldn't even look at a cell phone if someone oh, held yeah, it up to sure. you. So tell me um, when things so took a turn. So things took a turn. It started getting light outside and I was getting really loud. So I asked my husband to fill the birth tub. I didn't want to be outside anymore. I wanted more privacy. And it took maybe 30 minutes to fill the birth tub. And I got in there and the water was really hot. It was really nice. And and I was alone in there for a long time. My husband was kind of like fidgety at this point, like didn't really know what to do himself. So he was just keeping busy and like away from me. He was like making food and doing other things. And I felt, and I felt so like uninhibited, like alone, like even though it was my husband and like, of course, like I could, you know, do anything with him around. I still felt like I kind of acted a little bit differently whenever he was around and I could really let go whenever I was alone. And that was really nice. Like I was like pushing probably for two hours, um, like pushing a little bit, like on the contractions, like it just like felt productive and felt good. And then I experienced like the fetal ejection reflex at the end when he was born. But for like, as soon as I got in the tub, like I was feeling really pushy on each contraction. So I was just like letting myself and I knew like, oh, like there might be a little bit of poop, but just being completely alone. Like I, it was really nice <laughs> to not have to think at all. Even like with just having a husband there, like you kind of got to get back into that other part of your brain a little bit, or at least I felt like 
Um, it did pull me out of my animal, animalistic brain a little bit whenever he was around. And whenever I was left alone, I was really able to just be the animal, you know, <laughs> that yeah. I wanted to be. And so it was that part. Whenever I got in the birth tub, the contractions were really strong. I still had nice, long five-minute breaks in between them all. But they were they were really strong. And, yeah, that's the... I never, I don't even know really when I was in transition because I never got to the place where I felt like I couldn't do it or I didn't want to do it. I didn't know how long I had left, you know. <laughs> I could have had so long left and I just didn't know. I mean, I was feeling inside myself throughout like the night a couple times. But maybe two or three hours after labor started, I started to lose my mucus plug and I started to get like bloody show. And I was encouraging, like every time I would wipe and see blood, like I was encouraged that, you know, things were happening. I really didn't know. I mean, I felt inside of myself, but I don't know what a dilated cervix really is supposed to feel like. You know, I mean, I, I was dilated, but right. it didn't matter to me how much or how little. This, When things are coming out of you, your cervix is thinning and opening. So like, you don't need a cervical exam by anyone, even yeah. if you're in a hospital. Yeah. Even if you're in a hospital, you don't need a cervical yeah. exam. If exactly. things are coming out of you, your cervix is dilating and the baby's yeah. starting to come down and you feel more and more pressure. So you don't remember ever going through like that lose your mind transition? Um, uh, no. No? Okay. No. I did have the last couple hours of my birth filmed and each contraction was kind of like super intense and yeah. towards the end like the last two hours of my birth but no there was never a time when I was just like totally losing it or threw up or yeah I mean there was a point where like I was crying and I was it was you know really like emotional and intense and really painful but yeah I don't ever remember feeling like uh well you were like I had to leave or you know what I mean yeah like I, you weren't you know like i knew that I was staying there. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you weren't fighting it, you know? Yeah. Transition for many of my moms is the tears. It's and the ones that are natural. It's not, I can't do it anymore. It's like, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> They're like, yeah. when is this baby going to come? I'm so tired, you know? So they'll well, be like crying. Point, actually, my birth, my birth story and video is on YouTube for anybody wanting to watch it. Um, yes, yes, yes. Let's watch just, it. Yeah, search uh, Griffin Unassisted Birth and it's got like over 100,000 views. It'll probably pop right up. So there was a time whenever my husband was in the birth tub with me and like, so he was crowning for like a long time, like or it felt like forever, like maybe 45 minutes or so. Like on every contraction, his head would come out a little bit and then the contraction would end and his head would get stuck back in. And there was one point I was just like, can you just like do something? Like, <laughs> can, my can you just grab the top and, of his uh, head? <laughs> yes. He's like, you know what to do. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> Anyways, he knew that, you know, and not just to like, uh, time. you know, that that was normal. And I knew that that was normal. And I'm glad I knew that that was normal because a lot of people don't. And a lot of people would call that a stuffed baby or an emergency but I knew that like my body was just taking its time, time stretching slowly that it had never done this before and that just needed some time and not to you know yeah not to push like after the contraction would be over to just take that time to rest that I really needed the rest yeah and my husband just encouraged me to rest during like once the contraction ended like and not to push so and yeah. you know that he's okay because he's moving and kicking and kicking off of you and 
you know, and it didn't even matter at that point. I just had to get through the basic. Yeah, just get edit. through. It. Like, then you were. Then Gracie, that was transition. That was for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, like I thought that I would be worried about that. <laughs> I mean, I did feel him move a lot, and that was very reassuring during the labor. I never listened to heart tones or anything, because I know how you know irregular they can be, and if you're not like a complete expert in like feel heart tones during like contractions, you know, I knew that they could sound like a lot of different things. So I never wanted to. Um, fuck with my head really but yeah I just knew that I had to get to the other side of it like whatever the result was gonna be (laughs) yeah so he was like slowly emerging for like two hours we call it the turtle you know the head comes out a little bit goes back in dirt like they're a little turtle and then I'm assuming wait when did did your water break at any point or did it just break at At the birth at some point in the tub I think maybe like 30 or 40 minutes after I got in the tub so maybe like an hour an hour and a half before he was born, I just like felt a pop in the birth tub and I saw like some like white mucus like float around in front of me. So I'm yeah. assuming that's what it was. But you knew there was yeah, no meconium, like everything was clear. So that had to have been another check mark for you. Like, okay, good. Actually, no, no, I wasn't concerned about meconium. I had done a lot of research and knew that that wasn't cause alone, you know, for an emergency or to be worried that I knew that babies, they don't aspirate. They don't try and breathe in utero unless like there's like an emergency, like something very stressful happening. And I was having, you know, the most stress-free labor you could have. Like there was no, you know, no outside disturbance or yeah. no like augmentation. So I, I was not, I actually never even thought about meconium during yeah. labor. I didn't even register like whenever I saw that, to be honest. Well, some even talk about how a meconium baby, and at 42 weeks and one day, so any post-term baby, it's normal to have meconium. So mm-hmm. like the fact that you were 42 weeks and one day and, the, and Griffin didn't have meconium, I'm like, oh, wow. You know, but even Did if there is, it? mine both at, at 43 weeks, I didn't have meconium, but he literally like pooped all over me the second he came out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's, I mean, it, it's pretty... I mean, it's it's not like you said; it's not an emergency. I mean, it's pretty normal to um, for a post term baby to have meconium. But some will talk about that birthing in the water is often the safest place for a baby with meconium. There is a lot of like cleansing, let's say, or rinsing, and especially if they emerge slowly from the water. We're about to get to your birth, but like you know, if you'll, if anyone listening watches a lot of home births or water births then you'll see them very gently pulling the baby out of the water. So tell me about how that went, like when you were kind of pushing and it it was going on for two hours. And then how did you know that like he was coming? (laughs) So, well, I mean, just like I was feeling more head on every contraction. And I was just like roaring through these contractions at the end. and, And because I felt his head, like I... My husband was off in a bathroom upstairs <laughs> and because I was using the bathroom downstairs a lot. So he went upstairs to his bathroom and I was like screaming for him. I was like, Gage, like, get like thinking he was going to miss the birth, thinking that the baby was right there. Well, the baby was right there, <laughs> but um, and he wasn't coming. And I was like, oh, my God, how can he not hear me? I was literally screaming at the top of my lungs. And later he's like, oh, I just thought you were like screaming like the rest, you know, the rest of the night. <laughs> So anyways, he finally came down and the baby still wasn't born for quite a while, but um, he got in the water. I was like just hanging on to him and he was like not saying a word and just being there for me and I was holding on to him. And I don't even remember this time. I'm really glad I have a video because 
I don't even remember any of it. I was just so high. Like in between contractions, I was like tripping. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> I'm also a recovering addict. I have 13 years clean. So I know what it's like to be high, really high. Yeah. And oh man, this was, I guess what you call a freebie for a recovering addict. It was amazing. Like we're so equipped to deal with the pain. Like it was crazy. The kind of natural painkillers that I was getting in between contractions, like as the head was sitting there on my perineum, yeah. it was just, oh, it was amazing. So it amazing. And so amazing. these are opioids. I mean, these are like natural yeah. opioids and you're flooded with them. And I'm so glad you're talking about this because so many women are afraid of what the, like the pain of childbirth. And I cannot say enough. I mean, I've done it both ways, you know? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I cannot, when you just actually surrender, your body literally gives you everything that you need. It floods you with these like amazing, this amazing high. And it comes and goes. Like I watch my moms that are natural too. And they like, just look like they are so drugged. And then they'll kind of wake up and their body gave them less of it, you know, when the, maybe the baby shifted. And then at the end and transition, I mean, you're just, I mean, it's crazy. You're kind of out of your mind, you know, and you're doing that roar thing, but then your body responds to it. It feels that tension and that pain. And then it responds to it with just like this flood of those opioids. So interesting. Growing up, like I didn't know much about birth, even though it was like a common thing to home birth. And I still didn't know a lot about it. And I remember like thinking that my mom was just crazy for not getting an epidural with us. And I didn't understand it. And she told me, well, if you're going to experience something, you might as well experience it. And (laughs) that's a one way to say it. That could be a t-shirt. Now I know what she meant. Yeah. (laughs) Hashtag free birth. And eventually um, on one of those contractions, uh, his head came out and Gage had gotten a mirror, asked him to grab a mirror. And so I was like trying to see what was happening, but it was dark and I couldn't see much, so, but it was nice. He was holding the mirror for me on the contractions to see kind of what was going on. But yeah, then his head came out and I didn't even really realize because it was super intense. I did feel the ring of fire, actually. Yes, I remember that. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, like, I know what that is. I need to, like, welcome that and I need to push against it. And yeah, and I just, it came back on the next contraction. So I waited. I was high for a few minutes. And I actually had some really long rest periods, like 12 minutes. I like enough to fall asleep a little bit and just really rest um, during that pushing phase. Yeah. And then the next contraction came and I felt the ring of fire again for the second time. And I like pushed against it. And I don't know how many uh, contractions it was until his head was born. But yeah, I just, uh, Gage said, oh, his head, like his head's out. And I was like, really? Oh my God. And I like, <laughs> fell down. I was like holding his head like in the water. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like I like just started pushing right away. Like I didn't wait for the next contraction, but in the video, um, like that's how I remember it. But when I watched the video, I uh, just like leaned back and I just let myself uh, trip out for a couple of minutes, maybe a minute or two. And then I like kind of came back to, and I pushed his body out and we both received him and brought him up and he made noise right away, which was something I was worried. Like, what if he takes a few minutes to breathe? But I just watched a lot of, uh, free birth videos and heard a lot of stories that that was normal. You know, sometimes yeah. the baby a few minutes to come around and it's not always an emergency. And he made noise right away, which was awesome. And yeah, and then oh, I stayed in the tub. And I'm like hearing your story. I'm already like crying. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> 
And then I'm assuming that you, like we didn't, we haven't talked about like, what, what was your plan for the placenta? Just keep it um, in there as long as possible. (laughs) I had a huge list whenever I first started planning like this home birth of stuff that I was going to have on hand and tinctures for before the placenta was released and tinctures for after the placenta was released and all kinds of stuff. And (laughs) the only things I had like at the end was the birth tub and a bunch of towels. I didn't want to use chuck pads. I didn't want like any chemicals or anything. I just wanted towels. And so I got a ton of towels and I had a birth tub and I had a cord clamp um, that I didn't even like end up using because we left him attached to the placenta for like 12 hours. And at that point we didn't need anything for it. We just cut it. But I didn't have anything. I didn't need anything. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So, so how long was it before your placenta released? Oh, it was right away. It was super. Cause I was really, I was surprised because I, you know, again, knew it could be normal for it to be a couple hours and, um, but that was fine. And to just nurse and to do these like different things. But, um, as soon as we got out of the water, we stayed in the water for maybe 10 minutes and then we got out of the water and FaceTimed our moms real quick. And then I asked my husband to grab me a bowl and just, I was going to see what was up with the placenta. And I just passed him the baby and I felt for it. Like I just followed the cord up and it was right there, like in my vagina. And I just coughed into my fist once and it came out this huge placenta in the bowl. It was amazing. And I felt so free and empty and I yep. just like pranced around the kitchen. And <laughs> it was great. It was maybe like 20 minutes after I gave birth. So Oh, I love it. So empty. It's like, it really is like the moment where you're like, ah, that felt good. Yeah. And so you, you decided to stay attached for a long time. And so what did that look like? Were you just laying and resting and nursing and the placenta was just next to you in the container? Yeah. I didn't really uh, know how long we were going to leave him on it but um yeah we just you know we were lying in bed the rest of the day and so um we just left him attached to it and I was going to do some stuff with the placenta myself but I um like I was gonna cut it up into like semi-freeze it slice it and then cut it up into small like pill bite-sized pieces and then keep those frozen and just uh, consume it like that, like frozen pieces of placenta, just like swallowed them like pills. That was my plan. But after giving birth, I was like, I'm not moving from this bed. So <laughs> let's find somebody to come deal with this placenta. So I just found a local doula on Google. And she, I said, can you come like at like, you know, nine o'clock tonight? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And so she came and she just like snuck into our guest house and I never even saw her. And she made me some smoothies and left them there. And then a few days later came back with the pills she did like the raw encapsulation and that was great. Yeah. And that's what I did. I did tear in a couple spots and I just, I stayed in bed for a long time and I just, I didn't get stitches and I just, uh, I used some Manuka honey and some, I did some herbal sit baths and just took really good care of myself and just stayed horizontal. I just stayed in bed with my baby for about a month and I stayed naked for a long time. He was naked and yeah, we didn't accept visitors. We just stayed in bed. And my sister, Bonnie, came. She showed up. Uh, she lives in Quebec. Um, she's the youngest of the triplets. And she uh, she showed up right after the birth. And she cared for us for about a month and just made us the, God, <laughs> the best foods you could ever imagine. Like, she wrote out a menu for us on the plane. She had just come from a Buddhist retreat and um, I was talking to her in labor and she was like telling me to listen to this mantra. And that's what I listened to most of my labors, uh, Green Tara Mantra. 
And I still like, you know, cry every time I hear it. Anyway, she took such good care of us. She made us turmeric lattes and oh my gosh, just can't even begin to tell you how amazing it was having her there. She changed my sheets every day. She dry nursed my baby so I could take a bath. She, um, I love her. It was really amazing. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And this is what we call a postpartum doula. So Mm -hmm. whether she would like that title or not, but, but our moms (laughs) and our grandmas and our sisters and our aunts and our friends. And if you live in a city where you don't have any of those people in your life are accessible to you, then there are postpartum doulas that come and, and care for us. What an incredible story. Like I, I don't know. I cried a little bit. I feel really relaxed and at peace listening to your beautiful story And I want to talk a little bit about mothering too, because your birth story was incredible. And because you have these other platforms of mothering that you have adopted. Gracie, thank you so much for sharing your story and being on the birth story podcast. And I just am a big fan and I love women that use their voice, no matter what their platform is. And I love watching you use your voice. So thank you. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you for having me. All right, that's a wrap. Episode 45 with Gracie Davis. We're going to conclude with our birth story. But let me tell you, we didn't turn our microphones off and we just kept talking all about parenting, co-sleeping, elimination, communication. So stick around and listen to episode 46 as I dive in with Gracie Davis into parenting. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 